Amen. It's a great privilege for us to be here this morning. We love your pastors. We just are knit in spirit. You know, when we went to Vietnam, I have to tell you, we have never had a team that flowed so tightly together as Pastor Daniel and Pastor Nelson. It was such a beautiful presence of the Lord, and the miracles and the signs and wonders, everything that happened is because there's unity in the team. And uh, so now, Pastor Nelson, thank you for coming again with us to Kenya. I know it's going to be marvelous, that's for sure. But I just tell you a little bit, just to acquaint you with us, we have been in Kamloops since 1975 and um, planted the church there, and it's gone on to now be taken over by my nephew, and it's going well. We're into two services, planting a church on the North Shore and so on. But um, just the marvelous things the Lord is doing. I want to say something about the atmosphere in this place this morning. There's such expectation and there's such healing here this morning. Pastor Daniel, when you mentioned about prison doors being open, there's going to be some opening of doors and it's already happening through the worship. And um, I just felt like expectation great expectation. So something is going to unlock for you this morning. Just b believe that. But I'm just so happy to have uh, Pastor John and Jackie Farmer with us this morning. <laughs> Amen. They were our associates in Kamloops for a number of years and uh, just really, really awesome friends. We love and cherish their family. And the great things that God is doing through relationships these days is like restoring some of those relationships that we had years ago. Pastor Nelson, we knew him from a distance at conferences, but all of a sudden we just clicked in and we're just going. So that's this is what God is doing in these days. But I just want to tell you that if you are interested in our, this is the orphanage work that I do. God called me to this over 20 years ago. And we come alongside existing orphans, orphanages that need funding, and we raise funds for projects like we saw in Vietnam, the need for washrooms. They had no showers, no toilets for the children. There was over 200 or 100 children there. And uh, they just hosed them off, literally. That's all they did from the age two and up. So we just saw the need, and we came home, and we started raising funds for that project. And the project is almost complete, which we are so excited about. These children will have actual showers and toilets and, and so on. So these are the kind of things that we get involved with. And in Kenya, we've uh, built a medical clinic. And when we go there now, they're doing an open house for one day, and they're going to serve us hundreds of people. Doctors are coming, and they're going to do MRIs, CAT scans, everything. And this will be free of charge to the people of the slums of Nairobi. So we are just so excited. The day after we arrive, this clinic will be happening. Full day of uh, free clinic for the slum people. So we're just uh, excited beyond words. We built a church there in the slums. And, uh, yeah, I built a clinic, but our church helped, it, it's a sister church over there, helped build this new sanctuary. So we are just moving from project to project and excited as ever. So there's a little pamphlet back there if you want. You can pick that up just to let you know what we're doing. So thank you so much. And I know my husband's got a burning word for you, so I'm going to just make this, <laughs> make this short. But thank you so much for your love. Thank you, pastors, for inviting us and for the privilege of coming and sharing with you and also taking your ministries along with us to the mission field. What a great blessing and a privilege for us. Thank you so much.
Amen. My wife hasn't mentioned the massive orphanages and the school and the high school. They didn't have a high school. So when children go out of primary school, they just go back in the slums and disappear because they can't, of course, go to university. Now the children are going to university and they're getting the highest scores ever. Uh, I know God's motivating them, but the slums are motivating them too in that way. And uh, scholarships, I think it's Cambridge University or one of the universities in England, Harvard or whatever. You know, I don't know the language. So um, one of the kids got a scholarship there. They're going there. They have a drama group. This is amazing. Out of the slums that won the highest recognition in all of Kenya. This is God. Okay, if I talk anymore, I'll cry because those kids are so precious. And so we're going to do a leadership seminar. Really, we're just going to do, because if you've been to Africa, you just get ready to do what you have to do, when you have to do it. And so we're ready. With all the prayers we're getting, we're ready. So uh, today, because of time, I'm not going to do any kind of eloquence. Well, I don't often do that in, in preaching and sermonizing. Pastor John and Jackie, you know, me, I don't slice bread. I break it. So I have my concept, and this is totally serious in my life. I'm frustrated sometimes because other guys come up and they slice the bread so nice, and here's a slice for you, and here's a slice for you, here's a slice for you. I just kind of go, there you go. So I believe in the breaking of bread. So this morning, literally, I'm going to do a whole bunch of chunks that I feel are prophetic and uh, are going to be good. Number one, you as a church are ready. That's what God says to you. You say, ready for what? Well, you figure that out with the Holy Ghost. God told me a month ago when I wrote it down, this church is ready. Do you know how we forever and forever sometimes prepare ourselves? I'm not ready. I haven't gone through the process yet. God's taking me through the process. At my age, I'm sick and tired of process. I really am. I want to get to the goal and to the destiny. How many believe that? And then once I get the destiny and the goal, I'll be happier to go through the process. I don't care about process. But process sometimes is procrastination. Some of our prayers contain procrastination. Uh, just going to chunk this out. This is out of years and years of personal experience with God and ministering in the church and one day we're going to go to another level. What's wrong with today? What's wrong with today? So God said to you, now. Now. Ready. Now. He said, well, what if I don't feel like ready? That's your problem. God's ready. Come on, church. Let's have a good time. God is ready. You know, uh, I, I, I kill a lot of holy cows in Christendom because I was not raised in church. I was raised a Christian at home. I call it homemade Christian. 
when I got to church, I, I, I saw these, these things, and it's always somewhere in the future. And we felt like we we're Christian donkeys, always trying to reach that carrot, right? And God says, we're ready now. We're ready now. I, I can't get off of that because that revolutionizes our faith. That revolutionizes everything in our life. And I, I yell and I scream, but I'm going to do that this morning. And I always promise my church that, and then 15 minutes later I'm yelling. But it's not because of the anointing. It's because I'm just excited. <clears throat> I'm impressed at your building. We moved 11 times before we ended up in the building we're in now. When I look at the building, people can go, oh, yeah, cool. I look at somebody painted this. I painted our entire present building, every square inch of that building, I painted at least once because I love painting. So I looked around, all the work, all the work, all the work, the platform. What's underneath the platform? I know what's underneath the platform. I was in construction. I know. I want to compliment you. This is awesome. Amen. This is awesome. We always praise God for his presence. That's not a problem. He came to dwell there, so don't ask him to come. <laughs> he invited us. These are the little holy cows, you know. Jesus, come here. Well, who's inviting who anyway? <laughs> He's the inviter. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Jesus lives here. He's not a visitor. Just want to just throw some things out. So when you come into this building, another thing about atmosphere. I heard that for, I'm just going to be all over the place this morning. Is that okay? Just have fun. Um, atmosphere. Well, you got to have the right atmosphere. No, you don't. I'm sorry. Jesus is the atmosphere. When I come with Jesus, I create atmosphere. I don't absorb atmosphere. Come on, church. Light comes into darkness, and the darkness doesn't know what to do with it. So when you come to worship, and sometimes I've heard it all, well, this morning there just wasn't that atmosphere. Well, where were you? I am an atmosphere creator. I create atmosphere with God. Now, who needs to absorb atmosphere is those that don't know how to create it. Those that aren't in the Lord yet. Those that aren't Christian. You have the atmosphere of atmospheres. God didn't say when he looked at the chaos, well, I could do something about it. But man, I need a little better atmosphere than that. Ezekiel didn't say, you want me prophesy to drive dead bones in a wide valley scattered all over the place? Well, where's the organ? Where's the musicians? <laughs> create an atmosphere before I move in God. No, you move in God and you create the atmosphere of life. Amen. Oh, yeah, my book. I'm the worst promoter of my book. I know that. I wrote a book, took me 12 years, not because it's so good, <laughs> but because I'm so slow. I wrote stuff in there that I was scared to put in print. And I thought, oh God, not yet, okay? This, this, is, this is too radical. 
I'll give you one radical thing. The book's back there, 15 bucks. Uh, I wrote in there, you don't have to follow Jesus all of your life. Now, you know what I mean, because I talk to people go, oh, heretic, false doctrine. No, you follow Jesus till you know the heart of the father, until you know his steps, until you know how he walks, until you know his spirit, and then you walk beside him. Because the Bible says, take my, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. The yoke, if you know anything about a yoke, you've got to walk beside somebody with a yoke. So when you follow Jesus, you're in the status of a servant. When you walk with him, you're in the status of a king serving. By the book. Oh, one thing about the book. Why doesn't God answer some of our prayers? Uh, you'll read on, in the chapter in Gethsemane that I wrote when Jesus prayed three times the same prayer and the Father could not answer his prayer and did not answer his prayer. Okay? So I feel good about that. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm a failure when my prayers aren't answered. I'd like to tell, I just itch to tell you, but then you're not going to buy my book. So I'm not going to tell you. Please buy my book. All right. Pastor Nelson, Evelyn already mentioned we are thrilled you're coming. We have fun. We have joy. We have anointing. We have unity. Jesus had the oil of joy above all his fellows. How many know Jesus was a hoot to be with? He didn't walk around like, oh, Shonda, whatever that was supposed to mean. Ah, boys, catch any fish? No, we fished all night. Ha, ha, ha. I thought you guys are experienced. He didn't go, ooh, I'll bring the fish into your boat. He says, go out and try again. Cast your nets on the right-hand side, and they caught fish. See, religion has made Christianity mystical and, like, weird. But Christianity is so real. So practical. You know that a lot of the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't even for our church service? They're for out there living. They're for the world. I may as well hang another one on you. God wants us to move in the authority of God. This is an era of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, God wants you to move in authority over sickness and disease and infirmity. Jesus never healed anybody with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus healed people with authority. Now, that's okay. Just go quiet. That's good. Because <laughs> you're thinking, right? You're thinking. Jesus did not have the gift of healing. Jesus was the healer. And Jesus didn't pray to the Father 
for the blind man to get healed. Jesus healed the blind man. Jesus came to the man that laid around for 38 years waiting for some religion to come to him. And Jesus came and didn't even pray for him. What did he say? Take up your bed and walk. You didn't even know it. You've been healed a long time ago. You're still laying in your sickness when you've already been healed. Why would he say to a man, take up your bed and walk when the man can't walk? That'd be dumb. But Jesus knew he could walk. He was just stuck where he was. Is that a word of pro prophetic word to somebody here? You're stuck where you are. You've been prayed for. God has already accomplished it. God has heard the prayer. God has heard the cry. And God says, start walking in what you've been prayed for. He told Joshua, go and walk out what I promised you. Because you're not going to possess it, though it's legally yours, unless you walk it out. Are you hearing me? Walk it out. Don't come for prayer over and over again. That's insulting God. God doesn't have Alzheimer's. You don't have to remind him over and over again that for the same thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. He doesn't have Alzheimer's. So you can disagree with it, and you'll still go to heaven. But when I pray now, I don't pray for the same thing over and over again. I don't. I've heard this, you know, I bombard heaven. I don't have to bombard heaven. I got heaven in me. I got Jesus in me. You prophesied my text. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't blue sky it. Christ is here right now, full of power. Everything is here. That's really my message. I'll, I'll go to other of these tidbits later. But my message is you have everything you ever need right now in you. You have the miracle. You have the healing. Well, it, it can't come from somewhere because Christ in you, the hope of glory, the kingdom of God is in you. The next era, you're going to be walking in declaration, in speaking forth, telling people to walk instead of, uh, I'm not against prayer, but we've defined it wrong. Prayer is not just supplication and petition and begging. That's part of it. Prayer is declaration. Our Father. Our Father. It doesn't say, please be my Father. The declaration is, our Father, my Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come thy kingdom. That's not begging for the kingdom to come. That's declaring the kingdom. All right, that's preaching. <clears throat> You have the whole message, because see, I was raised a Christian all my life, and I was always taught to strive. There's another level. I understand that. Don't feel bad if somebody says that, but I want that level to be present right now. Not quite good enough yet. Didn't pray enough. Didn't believe enough. Didn't give enough. If you give more, and on and on. I hate to tell you this, none of that counts. Because Romans 8 says that how shall he not with him freely give us all things? 
Can you say amen to that? You will pray. You will praise God. You will do it. But you don't earn anything. You don't earn anything by exercising Christian conduct. He said, well, people just go out there and sin. Well, because they're nuts. That's, that's crazy. That's, <clears throat> that's a wrong definition completely. Those who want to sin are going to sin anyway, regardless of what you preach. Right? You have what it takes right now. Because the kingdom of God is in you. How revolutionary. How would it revolutionize my praise if I'm praising God not to reach God, not to make him come down into the midst, and God will somehow arrive, and God arrived. What do you mean God arrived? You arrived. God didn't. You see, that's revolutionary for me. Remember, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised in tradition. I was raised in, in pioneer country in northern Saskatchewan where if it didn't work, we didn't do it. We didn't pull, out, we didn't pull a plow around the field that didn't plow. We parked it. And we parked a lot of stuff. When I hit the church scene, I heard this, this gerbil treadmill of events and the same thing, bombard heaven, bombard heaven, years after year, bombard heaven. What do you mean? Get up and walk in what heaven gave you. Come on, church, walk in what heaven gave you. You're not going to possess the land, even though it's yours, unless you walk it. He said to Abraham, when Abraham, he said, look in every direction after that lot experience that he had. And he said, arise, Abraham. Apparently he was sitting down. That's deep revelation. He was sitting down. He was sitting on his revelation. He was sitting on what God was promising him. He sat down. God said, Abraham, arise and walk. Arise and walk. Because I have given you the land, but you're not walking in the land. You're still praying for it. You're still believing God for it. You're still asking for it. You're still hoping for it. But it's yours already. But I can't, you can't possess it unless you walk it. I'll turn to my notes later if I have time. Don't you have a big clock somewhere? At my age, sorry, I can't see it. Isn't that wonderful? No, I can see it. All right. Sound. They had a whole thing on sound. How many times have we sensed the Spirit of God move? Lots. In Genesis, the Spirit of God moved. Moved. But nothing happened in the movement of the Spirit of God until the sound of God came. That's a massive nugget. Uh, and, and I understand, like, I've been Pentecostal charismatic all my life. I think I was born that way. I think I spoke in tongues the first time I tried to talk. <laughs> and we say, God, move. And God says, no way. Move, God. And God says, ah, don't feel like it today. How many know that God is constantly moving? He's not dead. Whether you feel it or you don't feel it, whether you believe it or you don't believe it, God is not hung up on how we feel or don't feel. In fact, you might be surprised God's not even hung up on our faith. You say, oh, God, really? Now you're off. Well, did Lazarus believe? 
Did dry bones believe? Did the chaos believe? One of the things in our excessive teaching we're missing is the sovereignty of God. God just kind of can do what he wants to do, and I love it. God can do what he wants to do. And I have the privilege, listen carefully, I have the privilege of believing. I don't have the obligation of believing. I have the joy and privilege of believing in God. And he'll do what he wants to do. A man went to bed. He had a massive, massive uh, uh, accident, car accident, wrecked the complete elbow. They put a metal elbow and stems up and down the elbow. And he accepted that. He was a pastor. He accepted that. Well, he went to sleep. and wasn't praying that God do anything. I mean, things were done. He had surgery. In the morning, he gets up, and the metal elbow is laying beside him. How many heard that? Laying beside him. And, I mean, that's a pretty freaked out thing, you know, like, and this one works. So he took it to his surgeon. His surgeon checked it out, and I didn't even realize it. They put a, they put a serial number on it, and they put the date when they, he says, yeah, this is what I placed in your arm. He didn't believe for it. I am telling you, you're going to see the sovereignty of God move in this body. Don't limit him to your belief. Don't limit God to your faith. I never feel like I got enough faith. And then I read the mustard seed issue. Right? Then I go, yeah, I think I got that. He said, you can move a mountain. You can move a mountain. Don't get hung up on all of this. The day is upon us where we will see in the kingdom of God the sovereign move of God. Maybe a year ago, you know, as pastors always say, in my prior time, right? That sounds so spiritual. Well, I don't say that. I was sitting in the recliner trying to nap. Because <laughs> I was tired. I wasn't spiritual at all. I closed my eyes, and all of a sudden I saw the throne of God. Wow. And I saw Jesus having, you know, like a big throne idea? And he had one hand on one side and one hand on the other side of the arm of the throne, and he was ready to stand up, to get up. How many know when Jesus sits on the throne, that's great? How many know it's pretty awesome when he stands up? Jesus is about ready to stand up and do some things we didn't pray for, we didn't expect. Like, stop and think about it. Do I really know what to pray for? Do I really know what to tell God to do? A little bit. But not a whole lot. That's how I am. I kind of go, okay, God, I said enough, so get with it and do what you're going to do anyway. But I had the joy of talking to you. Like a little kid. You know, they talk to you, talk to you. Mom and dad are going to do what they're going to do. They know what's the best thing for the kid. God knows what's the best for us. That's why Jesus said, when he took a child in his lap of such 
is the kingdom of God. Profound things. Why would this thought come to me right now and I should share it? I don't often share it. I preached in the Mission Pentecostal Church where our daughter and son-in-law are pastoring. And they said, why don't you come? <laughs> the reason I want to share this is because God is going to do things beyond your reasoning, beyond your description, beyond your comprehension, beyond your doctrine, and beyond your belief system. That's the word of the Lord. So they said, we want you to preach on the Holy Spirit. We want you to teach on the Holy Spirit. So I taught on the Holy Spirit in the morning. I thought I did a real good job. Sunday night, I stood right to the bottom there, and I said to the church, I feel really weird. And, you know, there's a lot of older people there. And uh, I said, the very Holy Spirit that I'm going to be talking about is here to listen to me. You ever think about that? See, that's how weird I am. And I'm going... So what am I supposed to do and describe about this third person of the Godhead bodily? I felt like a useless little squirt. I'm going to describe this Holy Spirit. Why don't you describe yourself? Not being, you know, arrogant or anything. I just felt so humbled. So I said, well, what we'll do tonight, just to escape it, what we'll do tonight, I'll share a few nuggets about the Holy Spirit. And I said, we've heard so much teaching about the Holy Spirit in the Pentecostal church over and over and over again. Now we need to experience the Holy Spirit, right? And that's the last thing I remember. The next thing I remember is our daughter and son-in-law locking up the church. There's nobody in church. There's nobody in church. And I'm going, God, did I have a stroke? What did I preach? What kind of an altar call did I make? I don't remember a thing. So I'm, listen, I didn't feel like speaking tongues or anointing or anything. I was freaked out. It was so beyond my Christianity. And, and my experience. So I got in the, I didn't get in the car. I said, Ken, son-in-law, I said, uh, you, you drive. I didn't tell him what happened, you see. I said, you drive. We had to drive about an hour at that time to the, where they lived. I thought, I ain't driving. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so he drove home, and we had a little bit of tea, and I went to bed right away. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk. I just... I just spaced. So next morning we get up and I get up early. My daughter gets up early and she said, Dad, I have a question. Why were you like you were last night? Because, you know, your kid knows you. I said, well, I'll tell you. And I told her what happened. And I said, it's really freakish. I don't know what happened. I said, but Andrea, what happened in the service? What did I do? Was I an idiot? I don't know what I was. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. This is so weird, right? Weird. And, and, and she says, no, Dad, you shared in a few nuggets. You prayed for people. People are speaking in tongues, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They're all over the floor. But why were you so quiet after the service? 
I said, because I never knew what happened at all. So I left out of that. My wife goes to China. I didn't go with her that time. Uh, she goes to China and she said, where's your husband? Why didn't you bring your husband? And, and, uh, and she shows a picture. What's a picture of your husband? She shows a picture and they said, he was here. And she said, he's never, at that time, he's never been in China. And, and that's, no, he wasn't here. They said, he was here. And he was teaching on the Holy Spirit. Now, that's even more freakish. Now I'm in China. I thought mission was bad enough. Now I'm in China. She goes to another place. They go, show a picture of your husband. Oh, he was here. She said, he was not here. He was not here. He was never been in China at that point. He was preaching here on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you think I feel any better? I still feel like a freak. Like, what in the world happened to me? I know about Philip, you know, being translated, but that was in the Bible. Am I telling you that God is going to do some things? Here's the word of the Lord for you. When you worship in this house, the sound is going throughout the whole world. Are you hearing me? These walls aren't holding down spiritual worship. Romans chapter 10, verse 18, it says, and their sound went around the world. They didn't even have the technology. When you worship in the realm of the spirit, you connect the realm of the spirit. You are, you are doing things in the spirit. We're not here just to have worship entertainment and have a good time and be touched and blessed. We're here to change the atmosphere of the world. We're here to change the atmosphere of the invisible realm of the spirit. Can you believe that? Of course you can believe that because the Bible says when we worship God, we praise God. It's like incense that ascends unto heaven is an accumulated there in Romans or Revelation chapter 8. And then God pours it down. There's lightnings and thunderings and voices and everything else. I'd like to go on that, right? So your worship goes all the way to the throne of God. That means if it goes to the throne of God, it goes around the world. So worship team, practice. It takes time and effort and sacrifice and commitment. But even when you practice, you're creating spiritual waves in this city, around the world, in this province, and in this country. How many can give God praise for that? Okay. Uh, I believe in time, so I'm going to just check. Not limited. Acts 2.4, sound came from heaven. I already told you about the atmosphere. This is, these aren't even my notes. This is scribbling during worship. This is real prophetic, as you know. I'm sure you know that prophetic element here. So it's tough for me to be in the prophetic element because I get, you know, 20 messages coming from God. Uh, one more thing I want to tell you. When God talks to you, he, and I know I've got a few minutes, so I'm going to be quick. When God talks to you, he does not talk to you as you see yourself or neither as you are right now. So when God talks to you, he talks to you as he sees you in completeness. Are you getting this? 
God works from the, the end to the beginning. He sees what we look like at the end, and then he uses that to work us to that place. So when he talks to us, we go, not me, Lord. You know why? Because you're looking at who you are right now, who you think you are. But God's talking to you, this is for somebody, like he sees you in the ideal. So he comes to Moses and says, you're going to deliver two million relatives out of the land of bondage. They were all his relatives. I mean, that's a big miracle. How many of you know that? And Moses said, you got the wrong man, and you got the wrong address. Because Moses saw himself as a murderer, as a man in exile, as one not even leading the sheep, but following the sheep. Oh, I'd like to go on some of this. He comes to Gideon. Gideon says, you got the wrong man. I'm not the man. I'm not the man. Because Gideon did not see himself as God saw him. This is a massive nugget for somebody and all of us, but somebody here today. When God talks to you, he doesn't talk to you as you are. He talks to you as he sees you. So when he talks to you as he sees you, start praising God. Don't get hung up on who you are. None of us are what we got to be. And that part, we do the best we can, and we respond, and we obey, and I heard all of that stuff, but you got to move on. That's what the book is about, moving beyond obedience. Obedience requires a, a command and a response. Am I right? That's the status of a servant. God always wants us to have the attitude of a servant, in case you missed that in the book. Always have the attitude of the servant, but when, when we learn the heart of God, and we learn obedience because the Bible says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Am I right? Obedience is not a cure for rebellion. How many know that? I'm going to make you obey. Get that rebellion out of you. You'll never get rebellion out of a person through obedience because rebellious people don't obey. <laughs> Deliverance is the answer for rebellion. All right. So when, when, when we learn obedience, Jesus learned obedience... Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, and I use that in the book. When Jesus learned obedience, became obedient to the cross, wherefore God had highly exalted him and set him at the right hand because he learned obedience for him to function. He set him in the place of authority. So that book is actually quite major. I'm going to end on something funny. You know, the book is on Amazon. So I said to my wife, because I don't run all that stuff, uh, check it out. Make sure the book's in on, is there on Amazon. So she checks it and checks it and can't find it anywhere under all the spiritual columns. And I don't know where they put it. Finally, she checked the dog section. <laughs> now, if that isn't funny, if that isn't, and my book is in the dog section because they thought obedience and beyond, that's got to be for dogs. <laughs> Isn't God hilarious? So she says, should I, you know, text him and change that? Said, no. More people believe in dogs than in Christianity. <laughs> so leave it in the dog section. Let them buy a book for their dog. And they'll find out that it's a spiritual book. Isn't that crazy? Isn't God just great? Let's stand to our feet. 
I'm going to tell you right now, pastors, either you make an altar call because I have no way how to put this together into an altar call. But I do have a way to pray for God to break the seals and the ceilings that are in our life. You've cherished certain belief systems. They're not even the church belief, but it's your belief. And you're hanging on. It's created a ceiling in your life. I want you to be so rejoicing and praising God and so blasted open into his presence. Is that what you want? Say, I got such a good God. When I don't know where I'm going, he's leading. When I need help, he's helping. When I need hope, he gives hope. Well, you know, when you have no hope, I do this Christian thing. Lord, give me hope. Look, you don't even have faith to believe for hope. But God gives you hope anyway. My kid doesn't come to me and say, you know, when they were little kids, oh, Dad, could you please feed me? I'm so hungry. Oh, Dad, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. I'm hungry. How many know kid wouldn't even have to ask you? Kid only informed you that he's hungry. Nothing wrong with it, informing God, making that sound, speaking forth. Servants beg, kings decree. Hallelujah. You say, I don't understand it all. Of course, the Holy Spirit has to reveal this. Holy Spirit has to reveal this. But some of you need to, oh boy, I know that you'll say, what a crazy pastor. Well, you fix it up after, okay? <laughs> Some of you have prayed enough about a thing. You start speaking and making a sound in that thing. Hallelujah. Because if you pray again, you're insulting your last prayer. What, didn't God hear? Didn't God know? Now, you see, I've been a believer all my life. So I've never used foul language. Never. Once in a while, I'd like to. But I never did, right? But I know for sure if I used foul language, I'd be convicted immediately. How many know what I'm saying? Right? That means the Holy Spirit heard me. Then why wouldn't he hear my prayers? Think about it. Be practical in your thinking. He hears your prayers. Turn around and tell someone, God heard my prayer. Tell someone, God heard my prayer. God heard my prayer. God heard my prayer. God heard my petition. Now with joy and praise and anticipation and expectation, I am waiting for it to happen because it's on its way. Oh, hallelujah. I told you I would yell. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever all I said is beside the point. What you're going to be doing here is moving in your sovereignty. People are going to say, you know, I was happy in my house. I never believed God for a house, but I got a new house. I was happy with my wage. Hey, that's good enough. I can dribble a little bit of a tithe and go to Tim Hortons once in a while. And here's what happened. It came my way. Hallelujah. It came my way. 
because we still haven't experienced the commanded blessing. And the commanded blessing comes from God, the commander. And God says, I command you blessing to go there, 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 regardless of where they are, what they're doing, I command the blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless the ministry here more than ever before. Release the power of God, the joy of the Lord. Release the sovereignty of God in this house, that this house will be filled with testimonies of the movement of the Holy Spirit and the declarations of God in Jesus' name. Love you all. God bless you.